Hello, and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9 a.m. or for our more traditional service at 11 a.m. We also stream full services live on our Facebook page. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. So as we've been on this journey through our spiritual gifts and we've invited you and encouraged you to take the United Methodist Spiritual Gift Inventory, it's been an opportunity to hear the testimonies of others in our midst, both our staff and some of our lay leadership on the church council, about the gifts that they identified and how they see them being lived out in their lives and their service to the church. And so today you're going to have the opportunity as we talk both about servanthood and healing to hear the testimony of Gary, our Director of Music and Arts. My three gifts are servanthood, knowledge, and administration, with servanthood being my primary gift. According to the Spiritual Gifts Inventory, servanthood is a gift of serving the spiritual and material needs of other people. I've always felt that music plays an important role in the world and that musicians were serving the listener. I believe that a musician's role is to reach out and touch someone through a word or a melody and to change their lives for the better, to make them forget just for a little while their own troubles and to let the music take them to another place. I can remember such an instance where that exact same thing happened and as a singer, I was serving the listener and also God. I was singing in a barbershop chorus and we were performing at a nursing home. There were lots of people in the room, some sitting in chairs, some in wheelchairs, and some were wheeled in on their beds. I remember this one man who was just staring at the ceiling, laying in his bed, not really aware of his surroundings. He wasn't paying attention to our singing at all. He was just there. We had been singing for about 30 minutes and he was still staring at the ceiling. Our next song to sing was I'll Be Seeing You, an old World War II favorite written in 1938. It became popular with both American and British soldiers fighting in the war. I looked over at the man in the bed and he was singing the words with tears running down his face. The song must have brought back memories of something that had been long forgotten in his mind and I had to muster all the strength I had not to cry along with him. I had. After the performance was over, I went over to him, grabbed his hand, and tried to say hello. But he was back staring at the ceiling and didn't know I was even there. For a brief moment, he must have been back in the 40s, reliving something that was precious to him. Maybe the thought of a loved one back home while he was fighting overseas. That melody, those words helped him to remember, and I know that he was somewhere else, even if for a brief moment. Music and the chorus I was singing in served him well that day. I have been blessed to have music as my passion in life. I've always been involved in music in some way, whether it was playing piano or singing, and I always knew that music would be a large part of my life. When I look back at my life, I can say that through music, I've had the opportunity to do many incredible things with a lot of wonderful people. My position here as director of music is to prepare and direct the choir and praise band, but I also choose praise songs, hymns, and the choir's anthems. 
It is in this role that I feel my gift of servanthood is used as I serve God and you, the congregation. When Pastor Sarah provides me with her sermon themes and scriptures for an upcoming series or for special services like Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, or Easter, I try to find praise songs, hymns, and anthems that will reflect those themes. I believe my reason for being here is to emphasize and enhance what Pastor Sarah is preaching so that you as a congregation can have a fuller worship experience. The words of each song, hymn, or anthem has to follow Pastor Sarah's words so that each one of you can find understanding in a language that everyone understands. Music. When I'm working with the praise band or the choir, I strive for excellence, not to glorify the praise band, choir, or myself, but to create a more perfect offering for you. I believe that if one person is touched by a song, a phrase, or a melody, then I have been successful at what I am trying to accomplish. My goal is to keep each one of you centered in worship so that you might leave a service with the music or the feeling the music gave you ever present during your day, hoping that the music might bring you some joy and bring you closer to God. It is an honor to serve Crozet United Methodist Church as a director of music and hope that through music, your worship experience is enhanced at each service. You got to see a little of Gary's other side of his personality at the end where he's like, okay, we're out. Uh, and so one, one of the great things about um, our staff here, especially Gary, is that they do serve and they serve in a multitude of ways. Um, there's never anything that needs to be done that Gary isn't quick to be like, I can help with that. Um, sometimes I see him doing things and I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm helping. And I'm like, just don't fall. That's a workman's comp case. Uh, but I'm so glad that you're helping because he is. He's really quick to jump in. And if you remember, if you were with us in the pandemic, I will never forget the start of the pandemic. Uh, I've received a message from our district superintendent who was forwarding a message from our bishop letting us know that on Friday the 13th of March 2020 that we were not going to be allowed to have in-person worship on that Sunday. And um, as is kind of my personality, I don't really like last minute changes like that. And we were not prepared for that either. And so very quickly, Gary and Doug Gaskell, who was our volunteer director of communications before we got BART, and I cobbled together a service that we were going to live stream. And if you saw that, I'm so sorry. It was not very good. It was, uh, it, it, we got better, but it was, it was what we had at the time. And we, we weren't sure how long it was going to last. I couldn't get any direction from, uh, you know, the hierarchy of the church. And so what was happening was I was hopeful that we were only going to have to do this for maybe a month or two, and then we would just come back to normal. That didn't happen. And as things started to look like we were going to be dragging on in isolation in the pandemic, about a month in, Gary came to me and said to me, I think the church is going to need to cut my salary. And I know this is, this is Gary's job. I know that Gary needs to work like I do. And so I was very concerned about this for a multitude of reasons. But I said, why do you feel that way? And he said, well, there's no praise band and there's no choir right now. And so I don't want the church to think they're paying me to do nothing. Well, one, I knew that Gary was still working, and two, I was also concerned that we would lose Gary if we let this happen, and so I asked him if he would just wait for a little while, if he would just give it a month. 
and asking him to wait and kind of, you know, putting a little bit of that Pastor Sarah pressure behind it, hoping that he would, um, Gary did something that I'm very glad that he did now is he didn't listen to me. And he went home and he started to think about what he could bring to the church, even though he couldn't do what we had hired him to do. And he is the one that is responsible for what our live stream has become. He is also responsible for what your worship experience has become with our slides. Because Gary discovered the switcher system. Gary discovered how to utilize multiple cameras for multiple angles. Gary figured out all of this, and none of it's in his job description. Well, it is now, but it wasn't in his job description then. And Gary was the one that made it better. So for people who watched with us, and you'll notice that that was a journey of trying to go on to perfection. Um, and for people who continue to watch with us now, that is Gary. And he trained other people to be a part of that. He has trained people to work in the sound booth and to be our tech support and to handle our cameras. And, our, and other people had noticed the quality was increasing here from outside of our congregation. And they would call me and they would ask me, how are you doing this? What system are you using? Where are your cameras? And I'm like, I am just a dancing bear. I have no idea how this works, but I can direct you to Gary and I can direct you to Doug. And now I can direct him to Bart because they are the ones that know how to do this. But all of it started with Gary not wanting to be a burden to you and wanting to continue to serve. Amen. So his gifts of service have been very important. And he also mentioned some of the ways that he serves you. Gary has not just been gifted with spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit, but he's gifted in music. And I am not. And so Gary is able to do things that free me up, as I talked with our two young ladies earlier in children's time, that they free me up so that I don't have to do it. The best use of my time with the greatest outcome for you is not me writing bulletins, that's a BART thing. Um, it's not me compiling slides, that's definitely not me, that's a Gary and BART thing. And you really don't want me picking all of your music. Because I will only pick things that I can sing with any kind of mediocrity. And instead, as Gary said, he takes the worship themes that we have in the scripture text and he is very intentional and discerning about what is going to surround and undergird the message. You know, when I was growing up, my mom used to really like those cherry cordials. You know what I'm talking about? Where you get like a little tray of cherry cordials and it's like a little chocolate dome and then if, you, if they were fresh and you bit into it, you get kind of like the, the, the clear or cream kind of oozing outwards and there was a cherry in the middle. That is the worship experience that we are trying to design, design for you, is that it's the kernel, that cherry, that real sweet piece is God's holy word. And everything else comes around it. But because of what Gary does in his servanthood ministry, when you break open that chocolate shell, goodness gushes out. And so his gifts are really important and his willingness to use them. Servanthood is vital to the life of the church because while we are all called to serve, Jesus has made that very clear, you know, you are all called to be servants and the greatest of you will be the slave. However, not all of us are gifted in servanthood. And so people like Gary, who are constantly looking for new ways to serve, who are making sure that their service is impactful, inspire the rest of us and hold us accountable and bring us alongside them. You'll notice that Gary isn't up here alone. He's brought all kinds of wonderful people along with him to be part of the worship that we offer to God Almighty in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he's very thoughtful about that. And there are servants within the life of this family of faith and outside of it that are constantly looking for ways that they can bless. So servanthood is defined as the gift of doing for others 
sometimes to the exclusion of meeting personal needs. Sometimes it's a sacrificial service. Servants look for ways to do for others both within and beyond the congregation and community. Servants do not choose to serve, but serve from a sense of identity and call, which Gary articulated for you so well. Gifted servants never feel put upon or taken advantage of, but see each opportunity to do for others as a way to be true to self. And so we need those people, those people who just naturally serve, because some of us don't naturally serve. Some of us naturally like wait on the sidelines. And we're not called to be sideline saints. We're called to be saints up to our neck in blessing others. And so it's really important that we have those people that are willing to model that for us. Now, the scripture I read to you came from what is attributed to Paul, Peter as the first letter that he wrote. Well, chances are this was not actually Peter. Um, the letter reflects a background and a mastery of Greek that was probably well beyond a Galilean fisherman. Uh, but instead, it's also pointing to events that would have happened after Peter had died. And so chances are this was actually composed in the last decade of the first century. And what happens in 1 Peter is that you can see the influence of Peter's service and ministry on others. It's possible that the person that wrote 1 Peter down, actually, was one of his disciples or even one of their disciples as people were influenced by the faith and the testimony that Peter had to offer. But they're dealing with the reality that sometimes we in the church experience. It's hard to live with other Christians. It's hard to love other Christians. And so the author is trying to remind us about our central identity. Above all, maintain constant love for one another. And why? For love covers a multitude of sins. You've heard me probably say it a few times in different sermons that I believe that when in doubt, we love. That our love is what helps us to kind of gloss over the rough edges or to help to smooth over when things don't go exactly as planned or perfect. And instead, love is what God uses to bind us together to one another and to help us overcome our fear and our anxiety and our feelings of deficiency. Love does truly cover a multitude of sins. It has literally covered ours. And now we have been inspired to use it to cover others. And that is what the author of 1 Peter is trying to encourage Christians to do, to keep firm in love. Do not get caught up in the busyness of being the body of Christ. Do not get caught up in some idealized version of what the church is, but instead to remember that it is love that marks us in the world. And love is so crucial because if you've ever wondered if you were loved, then you remember the first time that you knew with full assurance that you were. When someone has let you know how beloved you are to them. God is trying to do that for every single human being in the world. But we're not all good at doing that for others as it has been done first for us. And today, service and servanthood is paired with the gift of healing. And you might be wondering why that is. Because healing is a gift that is not about transferring spiritual power to eliminate suffering and disease. I wish we could do that. That was kind of Jesus' thing. So it's not that we're going to miraculously heal people, but the gift of healing is about the ability to channel God's grace and healing love to those who suffer physical, emotional, or spiritual pain. Healers are moved to be present with those who suffer. Healers pray for those who suffer, visiting those who are ill, and usually move to extend a hand of comfort and to touch those who are afflicted. 
Healers give their time and energy to offering aid and comfort to others. It is a service, and there have been multiple people within our family of faith who, after doing their inventory, told me that healing was one of their gifts. And I'm never surprised when I find out that this person is also in the medical profession. It's just so serendipitous that they would have a gift that God had given them through the movement of the Holy Spirit, and then to be able to find ways to bless people well beyond the local church to find ways to bring healing and knowledge that's been gained into other people's lives. Because the person who experienced the tangible results of their healing ministry may not have come to the church, didn't expect to encounter God when they went to the doctor's office, didn't expect to encounter God when they checked into the emergency room. And yet, because of human vessels who have been gifted with healing and who are passionate about it, they were. Now, not everybody with the gift of healing is in the medical profession, and that's a good thing too, because the gift of healing is about the totality of the human being. It's about the holistic way of understanding who we are. You are not just a spirit. You are not just a body. You are a mind. You are a heart. You are an epicenter of thought and knowledge and wisdom. You are also a gathering of all of the experiences and the emotions that you have had in your heart center. And we need to make sure that we are cognizant of all of that in our mission and our ministry work in the church. Because sometimes it's safer to just focus on the body. Sometimes it's just easier. When I was at my last church in Norfolk, we had received a flyer asking us to um, cross-communicate with our congregation that there was a church that was not United Methodist but that was in our location, our area, and they were going to be addressing the famine in Darfur. And they were going to do this by collecting soap. Now, if you are a starving person, I don't think you want a gift basket from Bath and Body Works. I understand that they were looking for something to do because that's really where the panic comes in. What can I do? There's a famine and millions of people are being affected in Africa. What do I do? But the people who are gifted in servanthood and healing especially help us to remember that we need to look at the entirety of the person. We need to make sure that we're not just kind of shortcutting the head and the heart and the spirit so that we can only focus on the body. Because there is a whole lot that happens when somebody is struggling, not just physically. There are struggles that are mental. There are struggles that are emotional and psychological. There are struggles that are certainly deeply spiritual. But we need to be attuned to all of them. And I'll tell you, um, one of the greatest gifts that I have had since I have shifted my office hours into the afternoon and evening since we've launched these new children and youth ministries is that I am able to be here when Grace Grocery, our food mission work, has its opening on Monday afternoons. I'm able to interface with our faithful volunteers. I'm able to meet some of our clients as they come and have the opportunity to be there. But Grace Grocery is a perfect example of people who are not only gifted in servanthood, but people who were gifted in healing, applying those gifts. Because when I got here, it was the Crozet United Methodist Church Food Pantry. And I didn't think anything about that. Of course, it's a food pantry. I mean, it's pretty good to say what it is. It's a food pantry. But then we had someone who came into the leadership position of this who is gifted in healing and who was very attuned to what I would call human dignity. One of the common places that I can find common ground with other clergy even outside of Christianity is about dignity. 
Almost all of the world religions articulate that every human being was created in the image of the divine, no matter what they call that, whether they call that God Almighty, the triune God, whether they call that Allah, or whether they call that by some other deity's name. They understand that human beings were created and instilled with dignity. And preserving that dignity becomes part of our holy work. Because we're not here to simply meet a physical need and then not pay attention to the being of sacred worth, the beloved who has come before us. We are meant to recognize that they too are the embodiment of God's image, that they too have been created and loved and redeemed, and we need to recognize, honor, and support that. And so this person who had come into Grace Grocery had said, I think we need to change the name to Grace Grocery. And I liked it. I mean, it has a nice little <laughs> ring, but why? Why? And they said, because it doesn't, it doesn't sound as if they are so needy. It sounds like they're having the opportunity to go someplace and shop for food like any other person would want to do. And they were right. Because when you come to Grace Grocery, what you'll notice is that it's set up kind of like a little supermarket. There are tables and there are um, racks of food and offerings and some of them say you know you can take one from over here or two from over here but you empower people who are even in their moment of great need you empower them to choose for themselves what it is that they need or want or will use you empower them and there's a respect and there's conversation that's happening as this goes along. And for many years, Grace Grocery has been a lifeline to people, not only in Crozet, but Albemarle County. And so continuing to look at how can we do it better has been a hallmark of healing gifts. Then we had a church member who decided that, you know, sometimes they might need something or they might enjoy something that necess doesn't necessarily have to do with food. And so this person felt the cajoling of the Holy Spirit to join up with um, a group that was able to gather free books. And then now there's a table at the end of the shopping experience laid out with all kinds of books because a lot of our clients at Grace Grocery are grandparents who are watching young children so that parents can work or perhaps the children are too young to go into the school system and have daycare so they're watching these children and then this person's spin on ministry has allowed them to come home not just with food but with a bonding experience and a little entertainment and hopefully a little bit of fun and education at the same time and it's beautiful to stand at that table and to have conversations about books that we read when we were kids or that we read to our kids and to be able to see people kind of perk up at the opportunity to bond over these books. And so giving people an opportunity to live into the dig dignity with which they are endowed is important. And that healing ministry continues to look at, well, what else might they need? You know, if people are having trouble buying food, are they having trouble buying laundry detergent? Are they having trouble buying toilet paper? And so we have those available for people that might need that too. But those are all hallmarks of the healing gift. People who are able to look at the entire human being and see not just a person, but another sibling in Jesus Christ, another beloved child of God, and to honor that and to get the rest of us to honor it as well. We need that in the church. It is not about our humanity that we reflect when we honor the dignity of another. It is about the divinity. Because each of us knows and serves and loves a God 
that has known us before anyone else. God loved you before you were fully formed and had a heartbeat. God loved you while you were still in the womb before you took your first breath. God loved you and knew you before anyone ever uttered your name. God has known you since before you committed your first act of willful disobedience and committed that first sin. God loved you even while you did it, and God loved you afterwards. God loved you before you even realized that you had done something wrong and needed forgiveness. God has loved you every moment of your life, and God loves you now, and there is nothing that you can do that will stop God from loving you until you take your final breath and beyond. God's going to love you. And so we need to reflect that in our lives, in our church life, and in the things that we do for the glory of God. Are we showing God's love? Because there are plenty of times in this world where the church fails to show love. You can't see it because it's underneath my robe, but all day today I've been wearing a shirt that I've worn previously. I was wearing it during uh, one of the worship series that we did in the pandemic about mental health in the life of the church. And my shirt says, Austin changed my mind. Now Austin and I have never met. Austin was a college student when I first got here to Crozet in the summer of 2016. And within my first six months, Austin committed suicide while he was at college. But he was from Crozet. And so it was that because of the multitude of people who were distressed and mourning, that the family asked if they could have his service here at our church. And absolutely, we said yes. But it is very difficult to be a vessel of compassion. It is very difficult to be a sanctuary from the, the, the terror and the mourning and the sorrow of a tragedy like Austin's death when you have people within Christianity who are actually saying things like, people who commit suicide burn in hell. People said that about this young man. Now I challenge anyone to show me in the Bible where it says that. It's not there. It's not there. And the other thing is, what is loving and compassionate and hope-filled about saying to a mother, a brother, a friend, a family member, or somebody in the community whose life had been touched by Austin, by saying to them, he's burning in hell. First of all, hell is a future reality. It is not a present one. And second of all, what kind of twisted faith would we have if that's how we comfort those who mourn? I didn't know Austin. I look forward to the day in the kingdom to come where I get to meet Austin. Because I've heard about him from his mother and his mental health struggles and the way in which we could be better about mental health have changed me. They have changed my mind about how I think about my own mind. They have changed my mind about how I think about other people's struggles with mental health. And so even though I never met him this side of the kingdom, Austin has changed me. His mother continues to change me. Because even though she no longer lives here in Crozet, she worships with us from Richmond on that same system that Gary discovered with his gift of servanthood. And she has the gift of healing. And she doesn't work in the medical profession, but she has taken that passion for healing and she has applied it to the legacy of Austin. She has taken the statement that I put on my, my shirt and she has made it the call to action runs and walks and events for fundraising and events for awareness of mental health bear the name Austin changed my mind. 
because she believes that real faith in Jesus Christ should be aware and supportive of all of our healing, in mind, in heart, in body, and in spirit. And so her gift has been used. And I have to tell you that even now, on some of my hardest days or my hardest moments, I think about where Austin is. And I can tell you where Austin is. I know pretty sure, because I can cite you scripture for it, that Austin is resting in God. And the scriptures tell us that God is the perfect pinnacle, the embodiment of love. And that's where Austin is. Like all those who have gone before us, he rests in God. And God is holding him in trust. And God's love and forgiveness and grace are unadulterated, unimpeded, and unending where he is. And so that's where he is. He's not burning in some fiery hell. He's being held by the same God who has loved us and held us when no one else would. He is in that God. And that is the healing and the love that is being talked about by the person that wrote down 1 Peter. Love covers a multitude of sins. It has covered Austin's and it is covering ours. Are we using our love to cover other sins for others? That's the holy work that we have ahead of us. And it's not easy because sometimes the person just rubs you the wrong way. Sometimes you've had a falling out with the person. Sometimes their sins rub you the wrong way. But what does God tell us in 1 Peter? Above all, maintain constant love. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. May God's love cover all of your sins. And may God's love in and through you become part of God covering the sins that otherwise stain and disable the love of this world. Because you are the ones that God has gifted. You are the ones that God has called. And you are the ones through whom love will conquer all. May it be so. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.